everybody and welcome back to our Stick a Fork in It podcast. We are here today with a very special guest, a friend, a board member, a volunteer, a contributor, an all-around fantastic addition to the Feeding Tampa Bay world, Carrie Higgins Bigelow. Welcome. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be with my friends. Yes, it is really great to see you. And uh, now, usually, you're the one asking questions of me and the others around here. That's true. It's kind of fun to turn the tables here. I bet it is. Watch out. I can't (laughs) wait to see what happens. It's a little warning for you. I got it. I felt it. So, um, I know that uh, as a partner of Feeding Tampa Bay, I'm sure you have scoured every episode of our podcast and listened intently, so I don't have to, uh, you know fill you in at all. But one of the things that we do here before we get into the uh, kind of meat of the conversation and the the topic we brought you here to discuss is we like to get to know you a little bit better. So uh, we find that we get to know people over food and, uh, you know, it's a little bit about what we do here, but uh, also just kind of being around the table together. And so uh, one of our favorite questions is for our guests to share with us what your favorite meal is or your favorite experience around the table? Yeah, so it's funny, uh, and I was really well prepared, um, I feel like, because that was actually in our morning meeting at Living HR this morning, this very morning, that was our energizer was that very question. Um, So it actually was a picnic um, that is just etched in my mind because I had taken my, uh, at the time, two-year-old daughter, she's now 11, to a winery, like all good parents do. Of course. <laughs> and, I love it. Yeah. The, dis- the distillery was closed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with my husband, and we were there for a wedding, and I um, watched her just like run around this beautiful vineyard while we sat and had a picnic, and I realized that my favorite thing is cheese. All right. Yum. All yeah. cheese, most cheese. Most cheese, cheese yeah. Whiz. No cheese whiz, not processed cheese, like good cheese. Paired oh. with the wine. That's right. That's, yes. right. That's right. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my actual, like, family around the table, to answer your real question, but since that came up, I had to share it. Um, the Nana mac and cheese, uh, my mother's mother made the best mac and cheese, hands down. It's legendary in my family. You have to make it with Ritz crackers. It's very of traditional. Um, and it was always the go-to if you needed, like, the little pick-me-up of love. Mac and cheese does the trick every time. It does. I think that's almost a universal. I don't know anybody who doesn't like mac and cheese. Yeah. Actually, my daughter didn't for a while, and I thought she might not be mine. But <laughs> turns out she's Switch. come around. Yeah, she's okay now. So, I feel so, like I'm not a parenting fail. So you're talking about your daughter. So tell us a little bit about your family and your background. Yeah. So I call myself an East Coaster. I've lived pretty much everywhere on the East Coast of the United States. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter and a really supportive husband that um, has been a big part. Both of them have been a big part of me starting a company when my daughter was three months old. So uh, that was a little bit of a a wild time, as you might imagine. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, we're a small little sweet family, just the three of us, and then a dog named Fenway. Um, which I probably shouldn't say right now because go raise. <laughs> Absolutely, but still. <laughs> That's all right. You know, they're already out, so no problems. <laughs> they, they've already lost. Um, so, you know, you've, you mentioned your company, Living HR, and you mentioned that you started it at the very obvious time, at the same time you have your first child. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Obviously, 
all good ideas. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about Living HR. Living HR uh, is this magical little company that has um, focused largely on making work better for humans. And so I, when I started the company, was just really uh, baffled by how many people came home and talked about how at the dinner table, actually, which is appropriate for this mm-hmm. conversation, how much they hated their jobs. And so I just felt like there had to be a better way that work could exist within each of our lives and the role that work should play. So I really started studying um, kind of the foundation of what work is. And Living HR exists to provide lift to the people function, to create inclusive cultures where people actually can feel like they belong, create a better employee experience that's designed for humans at the center of it, not products. And then um, really all about making sure that their culture is one that people can actually achieve an opportunity and the culture can support uh, um, and appreciate what's good in people. Um, And so we've really taken this very human-centered approach. Living HR is called Living HR because of the living beings. We want our work to live on in the spirit of work legacy. And my daughter's name is actually Livy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, I, I love that kind of perspective on why you started things because it makes so much sense when, when you work with Living HR and your team because I, I just found you guys to be a total breath of fresh air. You know, when, when you started working with us here at Feeding Tampa Bay, the way you approach your partnership with us was really around the people. You know, the work is important, obviously. You know, we're here because of the work but the work gets done by people. And, you know, I've, I've done some hiring recently, and one of the things that I've told almost everybody in an interview is that hiring is the most important thing I do. Mm-hmm. And creating a culture, living into that culture, um, being able to share that culture with people you bring on board or people you're considering bringing on board is such a critical component of it. How do you look at that? Um, when you engage a company for the first time, like when you started working with us? Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the things that I think people do uh, or don't do enough of is actually gather voice from the people that work there because uh, they tend to know uh, what it's like to work there. It's funny. Uh, but most of the time what ends up happening in like culture studies per se is that we focus on what people like and what makes them happy. And a part of it is also knowing what doesn't get tolerated and what creates toxicity. And so a big part of what we do is immerse ourselves in actually applying for jobs, spending time in the organization, looking at all these different cues that other people may not pick up on that really tell us what it actually feels like to work in an organization. And um, in addition to that, really listening to what people have to say. So here and in every organization that we've worked with, um, we try to collect the data, right? And everybody hates surveys, um, but it is one way to get data. The other way is that we actually talk to people and immerse ourselves. And I think that that's really made it so we can understand what makes each organization its own. Um, You know, I haven't had an organization tell me that, oh, we're just like that other company. Everybody thinks they're so different. And I always say, that's right, you are, that's your culture. So that different thing that you do, why it feels different, we need to get to that because that's who you are, that's what you stand for, and that's what we need to make sure that we're pulling out so everybody shares that understanding. 
Yeah, that's it's an amazing way to look at it. I think, you know, when we first engaged with you, there were a couple of things going on for us. One was that we were growing incredibly rapidly. And so we were adding members to our team and we were bringing on new projects. And, you know, my entire department came on right around the same time that that your work with us began. And and there was a new perspective on our work. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really big sea change for an organization. And it's just been really, really fantastic to have professionals who know what they're doing, who can help guide us as we build that culture. And I, um, you know, I think also we were seeing in our surveys that we did annually with our team Mm -hmm. that maybe we weren't exactly where we wanted to be. And, um, you know, that's where a great organization like yours who focuses on that is, is such a difference maker. I'm curious what your first impressions of us as an organization were. Oh, gosh. You know, I immediately just gravitated towards this organization because of the people. Uh, No shock there. But I think one of the things that stood out to me was how much people were willing to take on and how much they cared about the mission. And when we first did any of our inquiry around what is it like to work here, you know, everybody really connected to why they were here. And when you go in a lot of corporate organizations, sometimes they're missing the meaning and the why. And here, that was not at all the thing. Everybody knew why they were here. And everybody was really clear on the aim to end hunger. And so that gives us a whole different place to foundationally build off of because people already connected to that work. And it was crazy impressive um, how how much they cared. Um, and, you know, there's not a shortage, I think, of uh, emotion here. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. Because they care. And so I just, I loved that because it was so very human. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I totally agree. That's one of the beautiful things about this organization is we are an incredibly diverse group coming from all sorts of different perspectives and backgrounds and cultures and histories. And we actually, we all have a reason why we're here, but those reasons are very different from person to person. That's right. I think that's really neat. And I wonder if that's something that's unique to us or are we like everybody else? No, it's, um, it is something different that's here. And I think a big part of what is different here is that your, your cause is clear, but how you all support each other and why you do it is very personal. I mean, I think bringing together people that came from, you know, for profit, from different agencies, from all different places. Um, One of the things that always strikes me here is that, you know, we believe in second chances. You know, we've heard Thomas say that quite a few times. And I think what's great about that is that this is an organization where you can be okay knowing that you can be you. And so when that happens, then people are less afraid. And so they show their true selves. And so that is what really enables them to make the mission. It binds you all together in a different way. It's like, because it's not just the mission. It's that you believe in it and you believe in it for your own reason. And everybody appreciates that that's why you believe in it too. And yeah. So it's it's an incredible foundation to build culture off of that we don't always get. So 
as much as I enjoy this process of patting ourselves on the back, <laughs> there is a reason we engaged with you, right? Sure. And there's there are things that we brought you in to work with us on. And, and I'm curious about that side of it too. You know, when, when you come to any organization, there's a reason you've been brought in, yep. right? And there's, a, there's room for growth. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, because one of the great things in my mind is that you've been personally involved. You know, it's not just your team, but you personally, as, as the founder and leader of your company, took interest in us and, and have really committed your own very valuable time and expertise to our, our organization's development. What was it that you saw you could add? So I think one, uh, it, it's a big concern of mine when an organization is doing so much right and they have the foundation right, but not everybody always feels that way. So there was a disconnect to me that I really wanted to get at, and some of that was very functional. So in different areas of the business, some parts of the business operated one way, some parts of the organization operated another way. And what I really wanted to make sure was that there was a shared definition of what was going to be how we move forward together. And so I think that was the thing that I, I saw so much potential in doing is defining the culture. There was no definition, right? No, there was nothing on the break room walls. Um, and so, you know, nobody knew, even at a basic level, which that's not where culture lives, is, by the way, is not on the break room walls. But it, um, it is uh, such, it was such an opportunity, right? That there was this amazing group of people that were bound by the same mission, but they didn't have the plan or the code or the behaviors or the way to make sure that they could coach or develop or screen or make sure that the right people were here and had opportunity. So you know, that to me was what I really connected to was just being able, to, I could see it, like I could feel it, but it wasn't clear. Uh, and so I really wanted to bring clarity to it and embed that in the daily experience of everybody's, you know, interactions here, both internally in the organization and externally. When I got in here and saw how cool this place was and what it does for the community, it, was, it blew my mind that I hadn't been involved. Living HR hosts a virtual work now and in the future event series. Each month, this virtual gathering with experts aims to share actionable ideas about work, talent, humanity, tech, brand, space, and everything in between that impacts our experience at work. This series was created to give rise to real conversations with leaders who want to keep it real, to crowdsource all we can do better right now for our people and for ourselves to cut through the noise in order to give way to what we all need, true connection, empathy, honesty, and support. Tickets to these events are always free and always include an option to donate to a different nonprofit organization that we rotate each month. Come as you are, from where you are, to join Living HR in learning and growing together. For more information, visit www.livinghr.com. Yeah, it's, uh, it really is a special place. And, you know, you've hinted at this a couple of different ways, but one of the things that you've really given to us is a way to talk about ourselves, right? The, a way to talk about what we believe and how we interact and how we treat one another and what we expect of one another. Because we all felt it, but I think we all had a slightly different perspective on what that really meant. 
and um, you know JC Peters, our chief culture officer, will be on later to talk a little bit more in depth about um, her side of things. But I'd love to hear from your perspective how you helped us create our culture code. So it's funny, and and how we create culture code in a lot of organizations is somewhat of the same process. But what's different is the words that people say in just casual conversation when you actually are walking by somebody and you just say, what's your day like? Like, what do you do here? And you capture the, the, the real words, right? And there was so much consistency in the way people felt. And what we shared as an organization here, and I don't want to, you know, steal JC's thunder with the whole grow code, but um, there was such a, um, a natural interest an authentic way that when we weren't asking the questions in surveys and when we weren't in focus groups, we were able to talk to people and they would tell us that, you know, what really bounds everybody together is this sort of shared code. And so I think when we heard enough people tell that story um, and share their own story with why they work here, it became really clear that those are the elements that needed to be defined. And, you know, I think also as an organization's growing, you mentioned how fast you all were growing at that time, to capture it in that moment was such an important um, exercise because it gave you this foundation to build off of to make sure that we wouldn't lose sight of that. Absolutely. And I think we've seen that especially over the last six months of the pandemic as so many more people have come into our world the fact that we did that work ahead of time has really really helped us because it's given us that you know same sheet of music so since we're agreeing not to steal jc's thunder i think there's another way to get at that same kind of question because uh living hr has a culture code as well, right? A grow code. Mm-hmm. Um, share with us a little bit about what that is for you and how you came to define it. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, it's really been our same culture code since Living HR was inception. Uh, Living HR's inception. There we go. Um, and we created it, and by we, I mean me, um, because <laughs> when I started Living HR, there was one of me. But what I wanted to do is decide from the beginning, what would this workplace that I wanted to design, what would it feel like to work here? And how could I connect people to that? Because HR in and of itself, as you may know, isn't that interesting. (laughs) Um, So, and that's not really what we do. So (laughs) I really wanted that to be our differentiation and I wanted to set it up from the beginning. It's gone through a couple of iterations and cultures certainly evolved when you're one person to five people, to 10 people, to 20 people, to 50 people, you know, it really has to change and evolve and grow with you, uh, which is why I love that yours is called a grow code. But it also um, for us, it's how we high five each other. It's how we celebrate when we win. It's what allows us to make mistakes. A big part of our culture is innovation and reimagining what work can be like. And so, you know, we have a very uh, mistake accepting organization. And so that's a big part of who we are. Being authentic has always been a huge part of who we are. 
thinking beyond ourselves. We care a lot about not just what's good for living HR, but what's good for any human we serve. And so all of those elements of our culture have always been there. I think as we've grown, we've been able to refine and create um, better stories around them because we've had more stories created over the past 11 years. And it's been really amazing for me to watch. Like I thought living HR might be me and like two other people. And um, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, there's no shortage of workplaces that really are needing to do some work um, to evolve their culture and make their experience better. Yeah, I think, you know, where you started this conversation that so many people go home at the end of the day with frustrations about their work environment, with frustrations about their coworkers and their interactions, and there is no shortage of the need for your team and the great work that you do. And it was also interesting to listen to you talk about your code because it's so similar to ours. You know, the words we use are slightly different, but the approach is really, really similar. And I think I would guess that that's one of the reasons that you were drawn to us is that the culture that you had created from the ground up was something that you saw reflected in our work and the way in which you accept mistakes. You know, we're, we talk all the time about being comfortable with mistakes of aggression here. If you're moving forward and trying to help people and trying to do the right thing, if you, you know, if you screw up in one way or another, that's okay. We'll work through it together. You know, and, and the way we treat one another is so important in the way that we know that there's something outside of ourselves and more important than our individual uh, kind of hopes and dreams for ourselves. And, and that's what we're serving in a wider community. All of those things are true here as well. And, you know, knowing that and seeing how your team has really integrated themselves into our world. And then recently with you joining our board, I wonder if you could share with us a little bit about how you see your role on the board and specifically with our work around culture um, and how that kind of just makes sense and fits nicely for you. Yeah, you know, with every um, organization, I attach to their culture a little bit and it's a little hard for me to let go. Um, I think of them as almost, you know, extensions of me um, in some way. But in this particular organization, what I have been so attached to is that there, you, the need that is out there and the amount of suffering that it ends if you are able to do what you do in this organization, to me, the culture is what enables you to be able to do that, right? And, and do it in a way that it doesn't hurt and it, it doesn't feel terrible. Um, and so what I have really wanted to always be a part of on the board and in uh, the work that we do together is making sure that you're able to meet the needs of humans. And so, and that means all, you know, individuals that need access and opportunity. And with Fresh Force, which is a program I know you love, uh, near and dear to you, you know, I think it, it it's not just about like food per se, you know, you're giving people an opportunity and you're ending suffering. And those are two things I care a lot about. And so whether it's, you know, on the board um, or it's, you know, supporting the people in Fresh Force with learning and development, or it's trying to work with the leadership team and um, continuing to build out ways that we can develop people in this organization, like I want to do it because 
It has a huge impact on this community that has been so good to me. And I, um, I can't think of a, a more kind of foundational human need than food. And so when, you know, what I learned really quickly in my conversations early on with Thomas about the work that you all do and the need and really, you know, the choices that I kept seeing in organizations and workforces where employees were the ones that still, even when they were employed, needed access to food. And so that really struck me and it stuck with me because I kept thinking like all of our clients that aren't paying people enough, those are the people that Feeding Tampa Bay is serving. And so, you know, part of it to me is also making sure from a wage issue, from an opportunity issue, from a perspective of human compassion, that's the basis for anybody being able to do great work and live out their life the way that they want to. And so one step further than that, you know, we care a lot about everybody should be able to meet their need of belonging. And so if this organization is able to do what it does to meet those basic needs, then belonging is possible. And so without that, you know, people don't have that real opportunity to feel like they can be themselves, like they can, um, you know, have access to great development in a corporation, like they can choose to go to work instead of a childcare issue. Like all of those things are so integrated and interwoven. And so to me, you know, I can't think of um, a better way to spend my time. That's awesome. Thank you. And, you know, you make me think about the evolution of our tagline as an organization for a long time. Our tagline is because, because no one should go hungry and it's foundational, right? It's who we are. It's, it will always be who we are. But recently we've adopted a new tagline that says, because food makes tomorrow possible. And that's what I heard in, in everything you just said is, you know, all of the possibilities that we can create together here. And in fact, I had this, you know, when we were talking about that tagline, we had this idea of, you know, our tagline is because food makes tomorrow possible. But what if you removed that word tomorrow and left a blank there? What would people fill in for themselves? What is made possible for you by what we do? And, um, you know, it's just a, I think it's a symbol of where we are organizationally. It's a, it's an idea that we are setting a stage for other, for people to go out and be successful in their own company to build their own future to do all these other things and to not have to you know, food doesn't have to be a worry right food can be a joyful thing food can be a bonding thing food can be a thing of convenience when it needs to be mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be a worry it doesn't have to be a stressor um and you know as i was hearing you talk about that i it, it, that's what really came to my mind is that that's who we are as an organization now and that's what we do yeah. um but i would also be remiss if i did not mention that um your commitment to our team has extended uh, to what I think JC called a uh, Wayfair shopping spree, okay. where you, uh, you know, are the sponsor of and uh, furnisher of our team's break room. And I think, you know, one, it's important for us to appreciate and acknowledge you, you doing that in your team at Living HR being the sponsors, but two, to me, it's a signal or a sign of your commitment to our culture that the thing that you cared about personally 
and took your own time to invest in was not just writing a check and not just participating on the board, but picking out what chairs people would sit in when they got a break and making sure they had somewhere here organizationally when you pour yourself into this work to step away, get a few minutes, eat your lunch, have an environment that was warm. Tell us a little bit about why you thought the break room was so important. So, you know, I did that um, primarily because I can see so many ways that people focus on making sure that the community is served here. And in order for the community to be served, the people that are doing the serving have to be cared for too. So, you know, to me, one of the things that I understand the most is that especially with the pace and the need um, that was just increasing by the second, that people just needed to be able to disconnect and have a break, and that would make them more productive, not less. And so giving people that place and space to, to take that break just seemed like only right. Um, and, you know, I also like shopping. Um, <laughs> so that part was just fun. Uh, JC and I had a really good time. Uh, and I, um, you know, I, I wanted it to be something special where it wasn't, it didn't look like a corporate environment. Like it felt like a, a much more um, casual, safe, comforting, I'm just hanging out with my friends place. And so I think break rooms are just a great opportunity to give space to um, rest and individual well-being. And, you know, what I didn't want are people here burning out. And so, you know, I think we're seeing in the workforce in general, it's like over 70 percent of people are saying they're burnt out. And so the people here in particular, you know, we really want to protect that so that they are able to take care of our community. And to me, there's no greater heroes than the ones that were doing that here. And there were so many first responders doing so much at the beginning of the pandemic. And you were seeing all the press that they were getting. And to me, um, you know, without what Feeding Tampa Bay was doing to even serve the first responders, you know, I mean, it was um, the group at the root that really could benefit the most are the people that are inside this organization. Yeah, it's such an awesome contribution because, you know, having board members, having partners, having a senior leadership team who is aware and uh, kind of concerned about the folks on the ground making the difference for this organization is so critical. You know, we see it's one of the, my favorite things about our colleagues is they will lay down every single personal concern that they have, all of their distractions, and they will pour themselves into this community. But somebody has to refill their bucket. Somebody has to help right. them and, and show appreciation and give them a place to breathe and refresh. And you did that for us. And I think the benefits far exceed the physical space. It's, it's the acknowledgement that this team does just pour itself out and give and give and give for the community. Um, having somebody acknowledge that is almost better than whatever the actual solution is. You know, just, just hearing a thank you from a board member, hearing, um, you know, appreciation from senior leadership that we know that our drivers and our 
you know, frontline staff and the folks in the kitchen over at Trinity are just going and going and going and doing everything they can to build this community. Um, it's awesome, and we really appreciate that addition that you've made to our, to our world. Florida Blue's mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. In partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, their collective goal is a hunger-free Tampa Bay by 2025. How will we do that? By ensuring that all our neighbors have access to fresh, nutritious food that is essential to a healthy and capable lifestyle. We invite you to join the movement. Visit hungerfree2025.com. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because one of the things that you just said really intrigues me, um, which is what you're noticing with work in general, right? Trends. I mean, we love talking about feeding Tampa Bay, obviously. We could talk about ourselves all day, but we do have an expert with us, and it's nice to, to dig into that expertise a little bit. So many people are experiencing burnout right now or stress, whether that's at work or at home or both, in most cases both. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing in, in businesses and in corporations right now, and, and what do you think can be done obviously engaging living HR to come in and, you know, make everybody better is one, but (laughs) what, what else can, uh, you know, can our listeners kind of take away? You know, I think this whole pandemic has just been an enormous reminder that humans really are at the center of it. And we've been saying that always, but the idea that, um, we have to take care of them in order for them to be able to, to do work. And so I think work is going through this fundamental shift where, Um, we're realizing that even with all of the advances in technology and all the things that we are capable of as a society without caring for the basic needs of the human, those things aren't possible, which is why Feeding Tampa Bay, not to bring it back there, but it's so interesting. Um, And, you know, I think the other trends that we're seeing are, you said it in the question, which is burnout. Uh, it's a huge problem. The other reference point would be that there's a work-life blur. Um, you know, a lot of organizations, um, unlike, you know, feeding Tampa Bay, most of your people are here and lifting and moving and loading trucks. And um, But there are a lot of organizations that are remote now and are uh, the child care responsibilities and sort of the blur of life and work is a huge challenge for what work looks like in the future. And so you know, even at Living HR, we've created boundary plans as an example, like of these are my personal boundaries. I'm going to establish them because, you know, we're in an all in uh, moment here. And so I think what's interesting and also happening in the workplace is digital, right? Everything has to be automated. Everything has to be low touch. We can't, um, we can't come together and collaborate the way that we did before. So how we collaborate is very, very different. Communication uh, is always an opportunity in every organization. And now, um, to steal your tagline, now more than ever, um, <laughs> it's it's a big uh, it's a big opportunity to make sure people have the right information at the right time. So people that solve around that is very much a focus. Um, humanizing the workplace experience. I mean, that's what we say we do, but that is what is needed. Is that workplaces weren't built for humans. They were built for profits. And right now, uh, workplaces are realizing that their brands have to stand for something. They have to be genuine about what they stand for. 
And then they have to have a culture and a leadership team and those foundational elements to be able to actually deliver whatever it is that they do. So there's just this enormous reinvention of what work is. Um, And, you know, I think it's an awesome opportunity because it's not going to go back the way that it was. Um, You know, work is different now. And so I think the organizations that are realizing that and are wanting to get ahead of that and really get the the best talent and be able to create a, a place for them to do great work and have a meaningful life, um, you know, that those are the ones that are going to win. Um, the ones that don't didn't care in this moment or in these moments about people, they will fall down. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see that. It, it's just the reality that, you know, you have to um, have people believe in, in what you stand for. And so people are really focused now on what, what is it that we stand for? Because <laughs> not everybody figured that out coming into this. Right. So, so Carrie, how does, how does someone engage with you or someone in your team to help them along? Because this is challenging for everyone. Yeah, so, you know, every um, organization to us is different because of their culture. So how we work with them is different. But, you know, we're here to help. And mm-hmm. so we're an extension of the people function team, just like a marketing function has a marketing agency. Um, we're there to provide that lift. Um, to the people function. And unfortunately, that's one of the most under-resourced parts of the business is the one that supports the most people. So, you know, part of what we do is making sure that they have access to the right um, tools and talent. And we also have an internal creative agency to build and design things that people understand. And so, um, you know, how we work with people is you know, really varied because it depends on what's broken, right? It depends on what the need is. Um, but you go to our website and you let us know you need help and we'll figure out a way to help you. <laughs> right. Perfect. That's awesome. You know, we uh, we so appreciate all the help that you've given us and your team is fantastic. We love Michelle and we love all the other folks on your uh, side of the world that have become part of our family. And um, you know, it's just, it's great to sit and have a conversation with you and, and share, uh, kind of your perspective on our work. Is there anything that you wanted to leave as kind of a final thought about culture, about your work, about your partnership with us, anything that, uh, we might've missed in the, the conversation leading up to now? I don't think we missed anything, but I guess my only, um, ask, um, since I have a mic in front of me is for organizations to do what they can beyond what they do. Um, And so it's more of just a plea, whether that means supporting Feeding Tampa Bay or that means getting out into your communities and doing something and somehow connecting people to making uh, days better and trying to end suffering. You know, that's um, to me what is most important like right now. Um, So, you know, as it relates to culture and work, you know, I I hope we keep uh, making it better because there's certainly a lot of room for improvement well you guys are fantastic and uh you would come with my highest recommendation for anybody out there listening who uh, wants to engage with a company that really cares and does a fantastic job so thanks that's somewhat embarrassing but also appreciated <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> it's, it is very very easy for me to say because it's been awesome to work with you guys and we've learned so much about ourselves about 
how we uh, can be as coworkers, how we can lift our organization as a whole. And, you know, you keep saying it, but it's so true. It all comes back to people, to the individuals that are here that make the difference because, um, you know, we have awesome people in this organization, but it's our responsibility as organizational leaders to unleash those people to do their best work. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And I just have loved every moment. My whole team sends their best. They love any project that it has Feeding Tampa Bay on it. Um, to uh, From every single person, they just adore this organization. So thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, thank Carrie. You. Thank you so much, Carrie. And thank if you'd you. like to reach out to Carrie and her team at livinghr.com, I promise you, you'll be sitting around your table and talking about how great your day has been. Thank That's you. Right. Stay tuned next for What the Food Bank with J.C. Peters. She's going to tell you what our culture is like inside our walls at Feeding Tampa Bay. All right, everybody, welcome to What the Food Bank. I'm the engineer for the show, Ev Malcolm. And today, as our guest, we have the chief culture and communications officer and my direct supervisor, J.C. Peters. How are you doing, J.C.? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we've just been uh, seeing each other all day today. I know. It's been (laughs) lovely. We were on camera earlier and now Uh, we're here. She's a superstar. (laughs) Right? Really excited, too, because she's my supervisor, too. This is the chief of our team. Mm -hmm. Welcome, J.C. So we had Carrie from Living HR, and this is, right? She's amazing. And, uh, Matt, hello. <laughs> hey, Matt. What I'm are you Matt. doing? Hey, listen, you guys Say are hello. having your team meeting over there. You're doing great. You don't need me for this. You're all on your best behavior because the boss is here. So. <laughs> no yeah, doubt. Right, right. Wait a minute. We're always. Hello. She's got. Oh, right. JC, they're always yes. well behaved. Always. Yes, absolutely. Hello, we're always. communications and culture. We're mm-hmm. always on the most positive and best behavior around here. I'm so, probably the worst, though. Yeah. <laughs> Attitude reflects leadership, That's Captain. Right. <laughs> so, in your role, mm-hmm. um, you are you work with Carrie um, mm-hmm. all the time. So, tell us about that. Tell us what it's like and uh, how how she got engaged with Feeding Tampa Bay. How you started working together and uh, how um, her methods have implemented and made really honestly our team really the best. Yeah, so it's been uh, a fun journey, actually. So this role um, has been new to the organization. Um, It's been, I guess, a year and a half now since we introduced culture more officially. And so um, Living HR came into our world really kind of in in two different ways, and it was happening simultaneously. Uh, Carrie's husband and his company volunteered with us and had such a great time here Uh, which we often get feedback for, and I love to hear that. But he had such a good time. He went home. He said, you have to get involved with this company or with this organization. So, uh, you know, she started to kind of figure out who Feeding Tampa Bay was. Um, Separately, they also did some work with uh, one of the companies uh, that has presence on our board. And so, um, you know, Sykes Enterprises said, you know what, Living HR, you guys absolutely have to work with them. So, Carrie got connected into our world and uh, really just, they dove right in and just like she said, they immersed themselves into feeding Tampa Bay and really wanted to understand what was going on here, uh, what the team was experiencing. And so we started that journey. And uh, shortly after, then my role was introduced. And so um, I became a culture officer and was like, wow, deer in headlights. Now, you know, I've got this amazing living HR team that is guiding us. And, you know, what do I do to help move this forward internally? Um 
you know, how do I make sure that this collaboration is, is something that stays as a priority for this organization. So it's been an amazing journey and learning opportunity for myself as a professional and for this organization to really understand what culture means and what our culture means at Feeding Tampa Bay. And so um, they just have been such a crucial uh, team for us to be in partnership with uh, as we've, you know, ups and downs, the growth that Matt mentioned earlier, you know, I mean, there's just been so many things thrown at us, the pandemic. And so having that work done through all of this has really shown the strength um, or it has, has really gotten us to the other side or gotten us through some of our toughest moments. Yeah. So I want to back up just a little bit because the way you answered the question, it sounded like you were new to Feeding Tampa Bay. So tell us, uh, right. that just was yeah. a change in your title yeah. because you're kind of... Um, Vet. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. It sounded like, well, a year and a half ago. No. So back up a little bit. You've been here a while. You're kind yeah. of an OG around here. I have been at Feeding Tampa Bay for six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, similar to Carrie's story, I was a team of one in marketing and communications and, um, you know, kind of worked my way through this organization through a lot of growth um, and, you know, slowly was able to grow my team, cultivate marketing and communications. And then uh, again, with culture and living HR coming into our world, uh, that shift happened a year and a half ago. And uh, it's been a a new opportunity and a new challenge for me. Um, You know, but yes, six and a half beautiful years here. (laughs) Absolutely. So we have, we mentioned um, the grow code that Mm -hmm. was developed early on. And obviously this was before the pandemic. So Matt mentioned that in the interview. So the grow code means a lot to us. There's a few of those. So tell our listeners about what that, mm-hmm. how that was developed and what it means to our team. Yeah. So how the grow code was developed, again, you know, kind of how Carrie talked about the process is understanding what what is the team experiencing already? What is feeding Tampa Bay? Who is feeding Tampa Bay? Um, you know, they really kind of take you through an exercise to say, who are you already? But again, just needs more clarity and definition. But then also there was some uh, opportunities for us to, to grow. And so the Grow Code really exemplifies through and through who we are, but also aspirational to who we always want to be. Um, and so we structured our Grow Code uh, around five pillars, five badges. Uh, we've kind of referred to them as both. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go on and on, so I'll make these five quick. But um, what those really are... Um, and I think we, we talked about it a lot with Carrie too, but the first one is honor all. And what that means for us as an organization is that we really do have all different types of people in our world, whether it's people that we are serving on a daily basis, whether it's uh, partners that we're serving alongside, or whether it's each other, our team, the ones that we come here every single day and, and do this work together with. And so we wanted to make sure that something in our Grow Code shared and celebrated the diversity of the team and of our world and our mission. And so Honor All really speaks to how to respect and accept and celebrate different backgrounds, cultures, um, all of the things that make us who we are and the identities that each of us separately bring into this team, uh, which is probably one of my favorite badges of all of them. Um, The second one is Conquer Together. Uh, For any of you who know Feeding Tampa Bay, Creating a hunger-free Tampa Bay is is our mission and our our vision. Um, And man, uh, through this pandemic, creating a hunger-free Tampa Bay has become more challenging. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, where we have to go has really just 
uh, skyrocketed. And so this is not going to be easy work, uh, but we can conquer. We know that we can do this. We can create a hunger-free Tampa Bay. Other food banks have done it. Um, so we can do it, but we can only do it together. So it's all about the teamwork and how each of us have a piece in this whole of, of how we conquer that mission. The third one is be an imaginist. Um, again, Carrie referenced being innovative, being uh, accepting of new ideas, accepting of mistakes. It's really about how do we think about this work differently, uniquely. Uh, you know, when a pandemic hits, how do we totally shift our mission to serve our community differently, right? So that has to happen with innovation and creative thinking. We have to be adaptable and flexible. The fourth one is speaking with truth, and that just really um, you know, is, is pretty self-explanatory, but it's all about having vulnerable, open conversation with one another, uh, being respectful, listening to one another, and, and really just sharing in relationship with each other through conversation, uh, whether it's a, a fun conversation, a tough conversation, that we're always being open with one another. And then the last one, yet again, Carrie, who knows us <laughs> through and through, uh, made <laughs> reference to, is stay rooted. And that's all about the mission. Um, you know, as she said, one of the things that really stood out to her was how much this team cared about the mission. And so we never want to lose sight of that. It's so easy uh, in all of our day-to-day -day hustle and bustle, you know, to have your head down and work on the things that you got to do to get the job done. Uh, you know, taking a step back and all, always remembering why you're here and that we all play a part in, in the bigger whole and that we're in service to the community. So that is our grow code at Feeding mm -hmm. Tampa Bay. Our, com our commandments that keep us straight. Yeah. They, they actually really do. So when you kind of see you're, you're losing your way a little bit, you mm -hmm. can kind of go back to those and they can really straighten you out, honestly. Yeah, I think they help kind of center conversation, they right? Do. So everything that we do can come from a place of one of those badges. And mm -hmm. so it really just uh, fosters, it, it, it's the foundation that we can do everything through. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think you did an awesome job of explaining what the grow code is and the badges. But mm -hmm. I, one of the things that... I have noticed that we do together that you do a fantastic job of organizationally is not just naming them but driving home what that really means and one of the you know just a, a very short story about that that I think really illustrates how great you are at this is that after we introduced those to the team we were talking about stay rooted and we were talking about how important it is to just say to each other you know we're here for the mission and remember that and celebrate it and you and Thomas were walking around the organization going to people, what do you do here? Mm -hmm. And everybody's answer was, I feed people, right? Whether yeah. you're feeding people by signing paychecks or mm -hmm. by, you know, onboarding new team members in HR or by raising money or encouraging them, encouraging mm -hmm. them yeah. or by running our social media or by, you know, whatever yeah. it is that you do here organizationally. Mm -hmm what you do here is feed people. Yeah. And I think that was a, it really helped to drive that one home for me personally. I just thought it was so cool that you were doing that for weeks, walking around going, hey, what do you do here? Yeah, we, you know, uh, part of my, I guess, transition from marketing communications into this role, you know, I kind of always have that mindset, you got to drive it home, right? You got to keep that message in front of people. And so again, uh, because those badges are in place, that creates so much conversation around what those badges are. And so uh, we have to keep it alive. It has to continue to live. It has to continue to evolve. And the only way to do that is to to make sure all of the team members understand what it means and, and how they can apply it to their daily lives here.
You would be proud. I sent an email today that had conquered together down at the bottom Yay. of it. So. Yeah, hashtag. I was going to say, did it have the hashtag? It did. Hashtag. Hashtag. Yes, it did. Make me proud. <laughs> I still have all my buttons. They, I, I you can't too. see the cute designs that we have for them all, yeah. but uh, on our but website, I, you yeah, can. that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, drives on me. You know, it gives you like a visual representation to yeah. like to picture everything. <laughs> Ed, you were, I think you were going to say something. That was what I was going to say. Oh, I was, okay. I was going to say earlier that like you know I I definitely recommend that people go to the website and kind of take a look at those things and you know i think that uh they're just like really good tenets even just in like a personal sense to like remember you know uh not even just through feeding tampa bay but as a person like speak your truth remember what you're here for you know Mm -hmm. honor everyone that you that you see on a daily basis they're just very like great like thorough personal reminders (laughs) yeah i think that's the thing is you can apply them personally Mm -hmm. but we can also apply them collectively Mm -hmm. and so i think that's why they work so nicely and again through the leadership of of living hr we were able to be very thoughtful you know every single word that was chosen around the grow code was chosen for a reason and so um, again it's just bringing back the meaning and connection it's all about engaging the team and connecting them to that work uh, and this work and so um, you know, I think that's why they resonate so much. Yeah. yeah, I remember as you were um leading that process of designing them, you were agonizing over each word. <laughs> and, Very much. And I can you know, JC and I are, are across the hall from one another yeah. and can see into each other's offices and um I would, you know, stick my head in and mm-hmm. see how you're doing. You're like, does imaginist is that right. does that make sense to you? Do you, right. do you know what that means? Should it be the or should it be and? It, be no. it was literally down to every word. But um, at the end, we I think we got it right. We've gotten good yes. feedback, and I think that it resonates with the team. So you know, yeah, all that work was for a good reason. For sure, it's, it's definitely paid off. I, yeah. I really think creating that common language has been fantastic for us organizationally. You know, I was just. In fact, I uh, made a job offer to someone today, and one of the first things that we'll do when she comes on board is go through the grow code mm-hmm. with her yeah. and walk her through what each of these mean and how you know we'll really want her to internalize those and, mm-hmm. and get to understand how she can live those out as a part of our team. Yeah, yeah, I think something if I've you know learned you know I'm a year and a half in and let me act like an expert, but <laughs> if I've learned anything in the year, it's been really to to kind of reflect back and see because we started by defining the culture everything else has been able to grow because of that. So, you know, if, if you're a company out there, if you're someone that works for a company and you don't know where to start, call Living HR. <laughs> but also, you know, defining who you are and who you want to be and, and developing that common language really just can can really stretch for miles on what you can do after that. And so, um, you know, I think for us, that's it was really cool because during the process, I thought, OK, that's, you know, what we're supposed to do. But now I really can reflect back and see the meaning uh, of why that was so important and a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. That's, you know, it's something that's universally true. Um, my wife and I were having a conversation about our family and, you know, <laughs> values in our family mm-hmm. and, and what we wanted to make sure our boys uh, knew and, and understood about what was important to us and how they lived it out. And the same day we had that conversation, I'm walking through um, a store and I saw a, you know, a big wall canvas that said, work hard and be nice to people. Mm-hmm. And I immediately grabbed it. I texted my wife. I'm taking a picture of it. I was like, I'm, I'm getting this and bringing it home. Because yeah. you know, those things translate. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I love the fact that our grow code buttons are on the wall mm-hmm. in our break room that mm-hmm. they're part of emails we send out to one another that 
you know, we have our little imaginists guide mm-hmm. that you put together, which is really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you've done an amazing job of driving it in to the whole organization. So it's just been, it's been cool to see it happen. I'm so happy no one can see me blush right now. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for the compliment. <laughs> so you can see the grow code in those descriptions at Feeding Tampa Bay backslash careers. And if you're interested in joining our amazing team, that's where all those wonderful jobs are posted and it's updated regularly. Thank you, JC Peters. Thank you. You know, I know I speak for a, a bunch of us. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, shucks. Okay. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I know that we're going to, speaking of honor all, I know we're going to have you in here in the future and very soon to talk about how through the pandemic um, we found innovative ways to honor all and uh, make sure that everyone is comfortable in every single way that there is. But that's for another discussion. So in the future, we'll have you back in here. Thank you so much, guys. And we will be sticking a fork in it soon. Bye-bye. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.